Luckily, I pre-recorded an interview with the lovely Louise Menzies, the 2018 Francis Hodgkins Fellow, a few weeks ago now. I did speak to her as her uh, newest book was getting launched as well, which is included in this interview. Uh, the interview's around about half an hour long, so if that's not your thing, I'm very sorry, but it is um, interesting in my mind, and if you're interested in the arts, or if you want to start somewhere, this is a really good one to listen to. So without further ado, I'm going to take this raspy voice off the airwaves, and I'm going to give you my clean and very nice voice from a few weeks ago, my healthy voice that I had going. Going on. I hope you're all having a lovely day and this is Louise Menzies, 2018 Francis Hodgkins Fellow. I'm joined with Louise Menzies, the Francis Hodgkins Fellow for 2018. Kia ora Louise, welcome. Kia ora, Thank you for coming and chatting to me on the show today. Now I watched you on the Dunedin Public Art Gallery panel or as part of the Dunedin Public Art Gallery panel a couple weeks back. Um, where all of the fellows for 2018 were introduced to the public. Um, but I feel as though in that panel we didn't quite get a sense of what you're actually getting up to during your fellowship and perhaps the history of that fellowship as well and how that is important to the practice that you do and, and the end result as well. Um, so if you could just give us a wee rundown of the history of the Francis Hodgkins Fellowship. doesn't have to be everything, just as you understand it, and what you're working towards at the end of your fellowship. Yeah, that's a nice place to start because um, as it happens, I found myself thinking about Frances Hodgkins while I've been here, um, who wasn't, who isn't an artist that I've spent a lot of time with yet. Uh, I mean, there's there's such a wealth of, I guess, historical figures, um, and even though I thought I was familiar with her work, it's been really interesting to kind of have a reason to consider it more closely or maybe, I don't know, work out what my relationship to it might be. Um, and, she, but you know, she herself, just her relationship to the fellowship is really just um, a name. Uh, I think I think the fellowship's in its 52nd year at wow. the moment or 51st. They had their 50th anniversary quite recently. Um and, you know, it's really uh, humbling to look back at all of the other artists who've, who've done this before me. And, yeah, and I, I had the other artists who, who I've been thinking with this year who did do the fellowship in the 90s is Joanna Margaret Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are two figures I've sort of been carrying along with me since I've been here in Dunedin. Um, and yeah, and and I've become interested for some reason in the kind of things maybe more to the side of their work. So with Frances Hodgkins, I'm really interested in her brief period as a textile designer, um, which she just did to try and support herself um, for around six months while she was living in in the UK in Manchester. Um, and all that really remain are some drawings from that time and one little printed silk scarf, which is in the Dunedin Public Art Gallery collection. And, you know, she, I mean, she was such an amazing um, diarist and letter writer and she sort of, it's well documented her, um, her own <laughs> opinion on that work. You know, like at first she was just, um, you know, 
excited and so thankful for this income and, you know, got this trip to Paris and um, was really enjoying the kind of challenge of the work. But within several months, it became a real drain on her actual creativity and she was pretty keen to get out of that work. Um, and I think from that point kind of moved on to not really view that as kind of part of her part of her output um but yeah i i guess i i guess i have an interest in textiles so i was intrigued at this connection um and i'd also always really loved these um these two self-portraits that exist of where she didn't where all she painted was a kind of assemblage of um accessories like scarves a bag a necklace um a sort of jumble of things that you dress yourself up with, but not actually a face or a figure. Um, and they're quite kind of, um, yeah, I mean, they're actually really kind of really conceptual in that way, kind of quite ahead of their time or something. Um, but I'd always be really intrigued by those paintings and then to discover this connection that she'd had briefly to textile design. And so I don't know, I, I'm not quite sure where it's going, but I'm going to Wellington next week um, to go and look at the drawings in the Tapapa collection. That's where they are. And spend some time with them um, and, yeah, just see where that goes. Fantastic. How far into the fellowship are you at this point in time? I'm halfway. Halfway, gosh. And when is that exhibit opening it that you have to That produce? I do at the end, yeah. yeah. So the fellowship runs February to February in the calendar year, and so... My show will open, I think, we just worked out the date, I think. It's February 15, something oh, like that. Exciting. The middle of February. And are you feeling comfortable with where you're at at the moment in the fellowship, with how much you've achieved so far? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, it was actually really nice to start a conversation about the show in the last month with the Hocken. You know, at first it was like, oh, I suddenly felt the end of that time sort of rush, the end of fellowship rush forward mm. and felt that sense of... Um, um, I guess always that sort of pressure that does come with production. But I also felt excited. I think I realised that I needed an exhibition to kind of feel like I could um, give give form to some of the work I've been developing mm. and the kind of strands I've been researching. And I guess I realised that an exhibition is often how I finish, I finish something also. You know, I think some artists have a studio practice where, you know, they're kind of busily making things that perhaps are more kind of, are able to just sort of circulate more simply as, say, a painting or an object or, um, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I really enjoy the specific context of how something's presented, mm. you know, whether it's a particular space or institution or community, um, yeah. And has this fellowship afforded you a sense of space that you haven't had before in your practice when you weren't in that fellowship role? Because I have read that you, you have had fellowships at other universities outside of New Zealand as well. Um, but when you have been practising and not in that fellowship position, is there a, a different um, a different sense of space and flexibility to your work that you don't have otherwise? Absolutely. I think these kinds of opportunities are... That's kind of what they're about, I think, at, at the heart of it, is that you get a kind of openness. You get an ability to kind of self-determine 
um, a project for a period of time um, and you're released from what are often just uh, the sort of practical press pressures of the cr a creative life, which means teaching, working, um, other forms of labour that you're trying to kind of always negotiate mm. week by week, project by project, how that kind of fits together. Um, I I also like, I've realised that I like um, a, a, the experience of a residency or a fellowship for the reason that um, often they also, they they often take you out of your, out of your usual life. Often you relocate for a period of time and are kind of thrown into a different community, mm. different place. And I find that quite stimulating, like... Um, I I can also see how it could just be disrupting, but often I find that quite generative. Yeah, does that change in environment affect what you end up producing as well? Because clearly you're taking from the Dunedin history and the the history of this land right here. Have you done similar things when you've been overseas or in different areas of New Zealand? Yeah, I think that um, you're always kind of reflecting the environment you're in, like social, um, physical, you know, however however you define that. And sometimes it comes out immediately. Sometimes it's a project that's tied to something that is in that place that's like specific mm -hmm. to where you're working. And sometimes it's just something that accumulates and kind of rubs off on you or kind of emerges more slowly at a later date. Mm. Have you engaged with any of the fellows' works that have come before you for the work that you're going to end up producing this year? As in, like, the exhibitions? Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at anybody else's exhibitions sp specifically. I mean, I got to attend Campbell's show, the last oh, cool. fellow, when, like, his show opened after I'd just arrived. And, you know, that was great. Um you know, really, like, reminded me why I was here. Yeah. Um, and it was really nice to feel the breadth of work that he produced during his year down here. Mm. Um, but I haven't sought out, I haven't sought out um, images of previous fellow shows. And you were talking about, you know, ending up here in Dunedin. Could we just have a brief history of, of what, you've, what you've done before you ended up here in this fellowship role? Well, I relocated down here from Auckland, um, where I live with my family um, for maybe the last 10 years or so. And I guess while I've been there, I've done a number of projects locally, but I've also travelled now and again to um, do residencies or exhibitions internationally. Um, next week, I'm launching a book uh, which follows a residency project I did with the University of Connecticut in uh, 2014 now. Wow. Um, and that was a very specific invitation to go and work with um, an archive that their library has, um, uh, one of the kind of largest collections of um, what's called alternative press material, like self-published, kind of underground, um, independent printed matter, kind of from starting from that sort of kind of classical countercultural moment of the late 60s until now. They were like, while I was there, they were still collecting like 90s zines and stuff. Mm. So it's an active collection. Um, but at the same time, it was really 
very much a um, kind of confined to this particular institution and this this reading room that was kind of how you could access it and during the residency I I found myself wondering how to translate that experience mm. um, and so I kind of ended up I guess that's where the book kind of first started as a kernel of thought you know like how to kind of share this material again or you know like redistribute it somehow put it back into print form so the book's a sort of translation of those actual artifacts I encountered but also a kind of attempt to sort of contextualize them or connect them to kind of contemporary discussion as well. Because that was in the US, was there any point where you felt like an intruder because that history didn't belong to you directly? It's a good question. Um, there's a lot of cross-currents from that period of time globally and I don't know, I I do remember thinking of something that I once heard um, Bifo, Franco Bifo Barati, the Italian political theorist, say about that time. You know, he said, you know, um, protest was so effective at that moment because everyone just got out and marched for everyone else. And his point was that, like, you know, um, the gay rights movement wouldn't have happened without... Um, the ecology movement or, you know, without the civil rights movement or, you know, everybody was kind of in it together. Um, and so I suppose that kind of idea of solidarity uh, helped me feel comfortable about working with that material, even though, of course, it's not something I experienced or in any way participated in. Um, but I guess I also just have this kind of position as somebody work if I end up in an archive, which I do from time to time, that um, I think it's really important to feel like you can approach history in a casual, personal, subjective way. Um, obviously, it's important to be respectful with those materials, um, but I think that there's... Um, uh, it's 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 nice it's nice to feel like you can kind of maybe just reorder some of those things or find um, connections that um, a catalogue wouldn't suggest otherwise and yeah I guess I've I've developed this question for myself about how maybe you know when it comes to that kind of material that you know that I don't think that the past and the present are as distinct as we tend to th think that they are. And so while that material documented something that occurred at a place in the time that I have no connection to, I think it has so many echoes with so many kind of um, contemporary currents, you know, discussions, um, cultural questions, um, that, yeah, really kind of there's a real 
appropriateness for it to resurface. Mm. And does the book bring visibility to some historical movements that may not otherwise be as visible, um, you know, within what we learn in our education system or what we see in our media? Are there some parts of the book that might surprise some people? I think so. Uh, I mean, something that a history I didn't know about was the Jesus People Movement, for example, which was a kind of radical Christian uh, movement that had that 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 also occurred here in Aotearoa. Um, but there are also kind of, I guess, um, there's quite a lot of material relating to women's history, the second wave feminism, and to the kind of environmental movement and. I think people know those histories, but maybe they don't know the specifics. Mm. Um, they might not be familiar with the publications that are being represented again. So while you're like, oh, yeah, you know, ecology matters or whatever, um, the, the actual material that's, that's representing that history, I think, is fresh. Mm. I was speaking to Rianne Gallagher earlier in the day and of course that interview will be broadcasted before your one as well so people will hear from her first um, and she mentioned um, being a poet and living overseas in the UK and how of course that attaches the New Zealand poet based in the UK label to oneself um, and you've been overseas and, and obviously produced the book overseas as well so do you reject those labels or do you embrace them? Sorry, what label in particular are I'm you I'm sorry, saying? the label of being a New Zealand artist based somewhere else or always having that uh, national identity connected to you wherever you are in the world. I've always been based here. Um, I've, never, I've never occupied that position of a New Zealander based overseas specifically, I guess. But I don't know how much that matters maybe for your question. I'm happy to be identified that way. Um, uh, and if anything, I find that um, it's, ah, I, yeah, it, you know, it's interesting. I don't think anyone's ever really asked me that. I don't know if I've really inspected that, that notion of, of being labelled as a New Zealand artist. I suppose I just take it as a given and I feel quite connected to a community of other artists from here who are based around the world. And I guess there is always something formative that you share f through where, where you're from, you know, mm. where you grow up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's right. I heard you say something which is now I'm also reminded of, of um, something you talked about during the panel at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. Um, you talked about the concept of art being a world-building exercise. So I guess that kind of relates back to the label question that I just asked you before. Could you explain that concept a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, it's something that um, I, I guess gets used as a way to maybe get at arts arts inherently kind of it's a sub, it's a subjective project so i feel like um when i when i try and talk about creativity which was kind of what happened at that panel um i feel that you know like as an artist what you first and foremost do is reflect the world around you 
and you somehow distill um, a, a version of that for your audience. Um, and yeah, so I feel like um, my my work is a kind of microcosm um, of my of of my own my own world building exercise, but it's also something that we do as communities um, uncomfortably as nation states, mm -hmm. which I guess maybe that's what that label question is, um, and um, hopefully um, more positively as yeah kind of trans geographical communities and despite your practice being a microcosm do you believe that it still makes a difference locally and globally absolutely i mean i think you kind of can't start asking yourself that or you'd stop <laughs> <laughs> that's true although it's not and saying that it's not my motivation either um yeah what is your motivation who are you trying to reach who's your audience yeah, I mean, that came up at the panel, you know, like, uh, you know, what was that question? You know, it was a real sort of probing about mm. how we each related to our audience if we made our work already with someone in mind, for example. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that the audience is always there. Um, but I think in the early stages of a work, it's you're, you're, it's really coming from your own relationship to a certain set of materials or you know, a site or a story or, you know, the many ways people kind of start going about their work. Mm. Um, so I think there's a sort of transition that happens during, during, during a project or during, during a kind of series of work where I think at the beginning it's a quite an individual loop between you and the work. Mm. And then as it develops the audience begins, a fictitious audience mm. begins to enter that process. Um, and sometimes it can, you know, and sometimes the audience is there at the start. And um, yeah, it was really interesting when I came here because one of the, one of the staff at the Hocker mentioned, you know, how they feel like a large majority of the audience at the Hocken, you know, who probably passed through the show are, you know, people researching genealogy. There's a lot of that <laughs> mm -hmm. going on down there. Um, and, you know, so I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just a joke. But, you know, I think every institution has also, I mean, if you, you know, they have often have quite particular audience profiles. Um, and when I think about who my audience will be for the Hocken show, I think of it as actually quite, an eclectic group of people. I think of it as potentially the entire university population, whoever might hear about it, might feel invested in the fellowship and turn up, who might hear me talk today and like file that away somewhere. Um, I also think about friends I've made here in the city and how it, it, it's, a and it's a chance for me to kind of share with them what I've been working on and more like on a more personal level. And then and then there's that other thing that happens with audience where a work gets made and it just continues to live and you never know what will happen to the work after that first presentation. You know, like, I feel like it work always has this future unknown audience that um, you can never even 
factor in when you're making. Mm. And what do you hope to end up communicating to that audience? What what kind of content is the final exhibit going to contain if you can give anything away at this point in time? <laughs> unfortunately, you, I can't. That. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I can't tell you. Um, what are you working with? What material lot, are you working with? A lot about the final show yet. I'm just in the process of kind of whittling down what I want to do. Okay. And actually, maybe this does maybe this does relate back to I think you earlier on you asked me about had I looked at kind of previous the previous exhibitions by mm. previous fellows, and I guess I did notice a pattern um, with the last few looking at some of the publications and I guess seeing Campbell's show that they have on the whole tended to be a collection of work made during the year. So a kind of like a little one person group show. It was um, a beautiful example with Campbell Patterson's yeah, show earlier. In and the you year. know you could and I think um you could really feel him processing in fact like just the nature of time mm. um, and yeah this experience of sort of unstructured time and free time and yeah all that stuff was really there in the work and it just had this really nice way of accumulating um, materially and conceptually to sort of yeah document his year um, but I think I think I'm yeah I mean well I work quite differently to that anyway um, but I when I started to think about the show I actually really desire to die and do something more singular, um, to think about the exhibition um, as a kind of work of of its own, as a kind of like thing to encounter um, rather than maybe just a space to bring different works together. Mm. So I've sort of got a f I've sort of got quite a few threads going and yeah, I'm just kind of trying to develop a few ideas to a point where I think I'll decide what to produce for the show and what work will just keep going after fellowship ends. Um, but one thing I do have in, in production, sort of at a scripting stage, is a short film. Um, I'm also really enjoying developing a lot of ideas for the publication that goes with Oh, the exhibition, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess because I've just finished this other book, I've sort of had my head in the world of the page. So <laughs> it's really nice to kind of get to just go straight on to another publication project. And I've been putting a bit of time into that um, over the last month because, yeah, I don't know, six months, it's not so long to make a book anyway, a no. small book. <laughs> so so I, in an odd way, um, I'm starting equally with, the publication as I am with the show, whereas um, maybe in a more like traditional setup, an artist would make the show and the publication would follow. Mm. Are you an artist? I'm just I'm just curious. Are you an artist that allows um, potentially disruptive experiences within your life that happen during these fellowships or residencies to dramatically affect the end work that you produce? Could there be something that happens in the next six months that affects what we end up seeing in February? Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. But <laughs> of course we don't know what it is. <laughs> hope it's not bad. Of course it won't be. Yeah, I mean, disruptions, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess also just like encounters, yeah. you know, <clears throat> with people and, yeah, places and 
Yeah, absolutely. Engagements with other work as well. Yeah, and I have also been digging around in the Hocken collections a little bit. I haven't found anything I'm like super compelled towards yet, mm. but I am kind of going there roughly once a week for a few hours and just navigating in my own odd way kind of through some of the material there. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's it's quite likely that there'll be something mm. um there'll be some work made that yeah, that kind of reflects back some of the stuff I found. Oh fantastic. Do you um work with any of the more amateur artists in the Dunedin area? Is any of that part of your fellowship? Or just something that you do? What do you mean in particular? Um, I just think some of the other fellows that I've been talking to have either worked uh, in almost like a mentorship sense with some of the younger emerging artists or poets or writers or whatever mm. whatever they're specialising in. Um, is there anything that you you consider doing down here at the moment? I would be happy to. It's not something that's... Um, there hasn't been any facilitation around that. Mm. Um, yeah, no, and actually I really like to involve students in projects where it's appropriate um you know if something requires quite a lot of hands mm. um kind of manual labor or production assistance of some kind it's really nice um it's really nice to share that experience with someone else and yeah that opportunity for mentoring to kind of happen in a quite convivial way and formal mm. way i i do really enjoy that but Fantastic. yeah it's not something that it's not something that's appeared during my time yet. If there here. are any any amateur or emerging artists that are listening to this interview, which I'm sure there will be because that's the nature of the show, is there any sort of advice that you could give them in their in their first steps of the journey? I think it's really important to nurture your own work, however you do that, um, and to just kind of, you know, trust that that's something that um, you need to do and want to do and it's a valid thing to do and equally to try and nurture the community that's around you because I think being an artist can at times also feel quite isolating um, or kind of lonely and so yeah it's really important to find another group of artists or or friends to yeah just to kind of share ideas with, um, bounce stuff off, keep each other going. Mm -hmm. And whether that's like sharing a studio together, that's a really great way to go about that. Like oh. just, you know, just to have someone who's kind of working alongside you or, you know, getting to gallery openings, meeting people that way, just engaging with work, looking at work. Oh, oh thank you for sharing that. And where can we find your book if we're interested? Well, it's going to be available at the Blue Oyster Gallery oh, um, down on Dowling Street. Um, and I do hope, I just haven't gotten around to it yet, um, about asking the university bookshop, but you never know, it might end up there too. Cool, and that's titled Time to Think Like a Mountain. As well. I realise we didn't even mention the title <laughs> of it while we were talking. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to add? Have we covered everything? Um, I think so. It's been just really nice to share some of my thinking and um, I feel like ultimately um, the exhibition will be the, <laughs> the best kind of, uh, that will show the fruits of my time down here. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me on the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Late Breakfast Show, Louise. Thanks. Louise Menzies, the 2018 Francis Hodgkins Fellow.